to finish uh, a, the sermon that we started a couple of weeks ago on Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and I wished uh, I had changed the title. We, I made the title Made Nigh, because that's what we as Gentiles uh, have been made to God. We've been made nigh because of the complete and finished work of Christ. I wished I had entitled it, But Now. Because we started out a couple of weeks ago talking about, but God, but God. And today we're going to be talking about, but now. And I love that conjunction. It is, it's so meaningful, and we are to take it personally that uh, we were lost in sin. When we started the Ephesians 2 uh, message just the other day, we, we talked about the fact that, that um, we were lost in trespasses and sin, that we were uh, made alive together with Christ, we were raised up together in Christ, that we are seated together in Christ, all of those, all of those special positions that we have uh, in Christ, and it's God who's made the difference. We were lost in trespasses and sin, but God. God is the one who's made the difference in our, our life. As we talk about Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, I want us to remember, and it's crucial that you understand this, and what we're going to be talking about, that in the Old Testament, there is no suggestion of, there is no description of a joint body made up of Gentile and Jew. Nowhere, nowhere in the Old Testament is there any uh, insinuation of a body, the body of Christ, with Him being the head of the body. Throughout the Old Testament, it's all about Christ being Israel's Messiah, being king of a kingdom. That's what the Old Testament is all about. And the promises, not to a body, but to a kingdom, to a nation. As you study the Old Testament, you study the prophets, you find that it's all about the nation of Israel, a coming king, a chosen one, a Messiah, and the blessings that were to come upon Israel. And as those blessings came upon Israel... I, Tim is just good. You've got to admit that Tim is good. To just change the title like that. So, good, Tim. I'm, I am so impressed. But as you study God's Word in the Old Testament, you understand that God is dealing with a nation, a chosen people, a peculiar people. You study the Old Testament and you understand that God did have a, a special people. You come into the Pauline epistles and you learn that God is no respecter of persons. But in the Old Testament, He absolutely, positively was. It was the nation of Israel. I want you to keep that in mind. Not a single prophet spoke about the body of Christ. It was always in regard to a nation and the blessings that were to come upon that nation. 
As we studied here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we're saved by grace. Oh, wonderful, glorious grace. We can't stress that aspect enough. We studied last week that we are His workmanship created unto good works. That we are His masterpiece. It is God that's doing the work in our lives. And when I say our lives, I really encourage you to take that personally. God is doing a work in your life. He's molding. He's shaping. He is, he is working to conform you to the image of His Son. And that should make us so joyful, so thankful in knowing what God is doing. And the reason that should just gladden our hearts, especially when we realize that we were without hope, that we were apart from God, separated from God, having no hope. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. He's just talked about we're God's workmanship, we're his masterpiece. We get the word poem from that word masterpiece, poema. We are his po- poem. God is working on us. Verse 11, wherefore remember, with all of those facts, wherefore remember, verse 11, Ephesians 2, that you being in time past Gentiles, now folks, that's every one of you sitting out here. Every one of you sitting out here, you were a Gentile. Remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Now, you need to remember that that was a derogatory uh, announcement. That was a derogatory statement to call somebody, well, you're uncircumcised. That was basically saying you have no relationship with God that you were Gentiles in the flesh, and you were called uncircumcised by those who were of the circumcision, being the Jews. That that's, it was Gentiles, it was your own fault, according to Romans chapter 120, that you were without excuse. That the Gentiles were without, were, were without excuse. That even when you knew God, you refused to worship God. But you went after the creation more than the creator. Remember the Tower of Babel is where they were building that tower and God scattered them. We're told in Romans chapter 1 that that's where he turned the Gentiles over to a reprobate mind. The Gentiles, they chose to worship the creation more than the creator. There in Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 12 is we have God choosing Abram out of Ur the Chaldees and saying, I'm going to bless you as an individual. I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to bless all the nations of the world through you, Abram. And it was through Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, that God blessed the whole world through uh, Christ Jesus. But then that was the beginning of the nation of Israel. All of those special blessings and promises and prophecies concerning the Messiah and concerning what God was going to do with Israel made Israel so very special. And they really got the big head. They really considered themselves, we're special. And what did they call the Gentiles? What did they call us? Dogs. They called us dogs. 
they had a covenant relationship with God in their own minds. But what did Christ tell them? You honor me with your lips, but your heart is what? Far from me. So they were all puffed up with pride. They thought, hey, we are something special to God. When the truth of the matter is, they had slipped so far away from God. And in the fullness of time, Christ came. And He came into His own. Who were, who were His own? Israel. He came into His own and His own said, no thank you. Came into His own and His own received Him not. Where does that leave the Gentiles? If the, the blessings of Israel, the Gentiles, us, were to be brought into a relationship with God, if through the blessings in the program dealing with Israel that we were to be blessed, where does that leave us? Well, Paul answers that here in Ephesians 2. I want you to see the frightening. I want you to understand the seriousness of Israel's rejection of the Messiah, and we need to fall on our faces before God and thank Him that before the foundation of the world, God had a plan, a program, a purpose to save those who rebelled against Him through Christ, through this body of truth that we're getting ready to look at. In the times past, you were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That means all those good promises and blessings. You were no part of that. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. John chapter 4, verse 22, says that you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Without Israel accepting as a nation who their true Messiah is, there was no hope for the Gentiles, according to the prophecy. And even according to this, look at Isaiah 62. I'm going to tell you here in just a second why all this is important, that we grasp this truth. And the reason it's important is just so that you know to appreciate that salvation you have. Look at Isaiah 62, verse, verse 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness, there, righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burns. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Who, who's he talking about here? Israel. And thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land uh, be termed desolate. Thou shalt be called, uh, called Hezebah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delights in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee, and as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. See, that, those are promises to the nation of Israel that you are going to be a blessing. Look at uh, Isaiah 60, verse 3. 
Isaiah 60, verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Look at Isaiah 49. Verse 6. And he said, It's a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. And I will give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Israel, you are to be my salvation. You are to tell the world who the true and living God is. That is your responsibility. That is your purpose. The Messiah is going to come through you. The oracles of God, the law is coming through you. You are to be my representatives. You are to be my blessed nation. And I'm going to show the world what the true God of heaven, the true creator can do through you if you'll believe, repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins. But he came into his own, and his own received him not. Matter of fact, look at, look at Matthew chapter 10 while we're there. Look at Matthew 10. When he sent the disciples out, when he sent the disciples out, Verse 5, Matthew 10, 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Is that significant? Go not into the way of Gentiles. Wait a minute, God didn't love Gentiles? God didn't love you? No, He loves you. But there was a plan, there was a purpose for Israel to be that nation of priests and represent him to you. He's sending the twelve apostles out. Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? Because salvation is of the Jews. The Jews. Look at Matthew 15. Matter of fact, this is the verse that really brought me into the grace message. This is the verse that I could not explain. I could, get not, I could not get around. I could not grasp until I understood the word rightly divided to understand what this was meet, meaning. Verse 24. Matthew 15, verse 24. Remember, this is uh, the woman who was wanting him to heal her daughter. She was vexed by a, a demon, by a devil. And she was not Gentile. She was Jewish. And she was saying, please, please, please deliver my daughter. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Can it get any cleaner? Uh, uh, can it get any clearer? Or cleaner, it's right there. Can it get any clearer? It's there. Christ said, I'm sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why is that? Because salvation was of the Jews. Under God's prophetic kingdom program, Israel needed to believe because salvation was of the Jews. Now, we see it clearly here in the rest of what happens. Look what happens. But he answered, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The bells and whistles ought to go ding, 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 ding. They ought to be going off. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, this Gentile worshipping God, saying, Lord, help me, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread. Who are the children? Israel. 
and cast it to the dogs. Cast it to Ewan's. And she said, but I thought you loved everybody. I thought you, I thought God loved everybody. And she said, truth, Lord. She admits that's true. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. See, that's the picture. As Gentile, as Israel was blessed, as those blessings were just heaped and heaped, as, the gent, as, the, as Israel obeyed and those blessings were to come upon Israel, then the Gentiles were to be blessed also from all of those blessings that were to come upon Israel. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, because I didn't want you to go away from here thinking that God didn't love her and didn't help this woman, but because she saw it in the right fashion, he did. She, she understood the sequence. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. But here we get the picture of God's prophetic program and plan. Back to Ephesians 2. Gentiles, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Look at verse 13. Oh, folks, what an important verse. Verse 13 is. The reason you're sitting here in these pews this morning, the reason you came singing praises to God, the reason you've gathered together to worship is because what God has done in Christ. It's because there was something, a plan, a purpose hidden in God from before the foundation of the world. Verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Here is the great news. Here is the, 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 the importance of that gospel of the grace of God. You who were far off, you who were without hope, you were who, who were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, you are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That sacrificial death of the Son of God on Calvary's cross, that, that very same blood that it was on the basis of that death of the Messiah that God could offer Israel the kingdom, which He did in Acts 2 and 3, through Peter, as they called Israel to repent. Based on that blood of, that flowed from Calvary, you Gentiles, you can know God. You can be made nigh by the blood. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace. Israel is not the peace. That relationship with Israel, it's no longer determinate by what Israel does. It was. But God in His infinite grace and His mercy had a plan in ages past that all men are going to be able to taste of that glorious salvation in Christ. For He is our peace, who has made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Oh, the work of Christ. And He and to Him and Him alone 
do we give praise and worship. He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished abolished in His flesh the enmity, that bitterness between you and God. That separation that existed between you and God, it is Christ, His death, that has broken down that wall. He's abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance in order to make in Himself of two Jew and Gentile, one new man, a body. You go into the Old Testament, there's nowhere where it talks about Jew and Gentile on an equal basis. There's no place in the Old Testament where it talks about a body of Christ with Him being the head. There's lots of places where He is the King and He is going to sit on a throne and He is going to rule and reign a nation and rule over the nations, but nowhere does it talk about a joint body. It is not until the Apostle Paul comes in this marvelous, wonderful, glorious truth concerning the body of Christ made up of Jew and Gentile that we have any inkling of what God's overall plan and purpose was, and that was to reconcile lost man destined for hell, guilty, deserving hell, God in His infinite grace and mercy had a plan that He was going to reconcile you to Himself through what Christ was going to accomplish. Having not just forgiven you. We, we need to understand this, folks. He has not just forgiven you of your sins, but get this, having abolished in His flesh that enmity. You know what? If, if you abolish something, what does that mean? It's done away with. If you abolish something... It's abolished. Matter of fact, it's the same word that's used in 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy 1, I think. Yeah, 2 Timothy 1.10. Look at 2 Timothy 1.10. Boy, I love these words that are used. 2 Timothy 1.10. Verse, let's start with verse... 9. Verse 9, 2 Timothy 1, 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Oh, that was God's program to redeem you, to save you, to make you His own but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. The word abolished means eradicated. Eradicated. If you eradicate something, it means it no longer exists. This enmity between you and God no longer exists because of His beloved Son in whom He's well pleased. You have salvation. Having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. See, not even the law can condemn you. Not even the law can say, you're guilty. Therefore, you're going to hell. He abolished, made it of no effect for to make in himself 
of two, one new man so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You want to know how effective the cross was? You want to know how glorious the cross was? We have it as Paul is writing to the church, the body of Christ, to these Gentiles in Ephesus who were lost, who were without hope. The good news is that God has reconciled both Jew and Gentile into one body by the cross. Verse 17, And came and preached peace to you who were far off and to them that were nigh that through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. This was all new to them. These Gentiles were jumping up and down. They were excited. Can you believe? Can you understand? Can you imagine knowing that there was no hope? What if I told you you have no hope of being saved? You might as well just prepare for what? For hell. You might as well go ahead and, and realize that, that you can have no relationship with God. And these Gentiles, they were living in Ephesus. They understood what uh, idol worship was all about because of the temple. Diana was there, and it was just a, a, horrid, a horrid worship scene. Can you imagine their gladness? should be the same here. As they read through this, that through Him, we both, those who called you dogs, those who said you were uncircumcised, those who didn't give you a chance, now even those we have access by one Spirit into the Father. See, God is not working through a nation today. Israel has been set aside. Israel is low emmy. They're not my people. God is not working through the nation of Israel. He's working through the church, the body of Christ, which you are part of. He's going to work through Israel again. That happens when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. All those promises, all those blessings, all of that, that program concerning Israel is going to take place. But now you make a building. You're a building. You're, Christ is the head, the foundation. You're a building. The Holy Spirit resides in this body with Christ being the head of that body. Look at chapter 3, verse 1, real quick. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery, that which had not been revealed, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, his knowledge concerned this joint body that he's just been talking about. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is that truth? What, what is that that's been revealed to Paul that's now being revealed 
to, to the holy apostles and prophets that was not revealed to them earlier. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of a joint body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What Paul calls, and hallelujah is right, what Paul calls his gospel. That the Gentiles are going to be partakers of his promise in Christ. You know what God's promise is in Christ? Turn to Titus, chapter 1. Ought to put us on shouting ground, folks. Titus chapter 1. What is God's promise? Starting with verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. What is the promise of God that Paul is talking about in Ephesians? It's the promise of eternal life. That is in Christ. Before the world began. When I read that the first time, after I came to understand the grace message, and I, I, I read Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read that. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same, same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ, that promise, the promise of eternal life, that God that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Who did God promise that to? Before the world began? Who did he promise that to? Himself himself God promised himself your eternal life you get to have that assurance that he has a plan a purpose and a future for those who by faith believe in Christ eternal life he is not about to retract it he promised himself that you're going to have eternal life. How absolutely glorious that is. You see why in Ephesians when it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, you were dead in trespasses and sin, but God, but God. If it weren't for God, you'd still be dead in trespasses and sin. But now... He, you who were alienated without hope you are now made nigh by the blood of Christ F folks if that's not something worth celebrating rejoicing and being thankful for I don't know what is what a glorious truth we have in our position in Christ not according to Israel not according to God's plan and program for Israel. Yes, that's going to happen. We're not part of that. We have a higher calling. 
we have a glorious calling. We are going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air. Our position is in the heavenlies, seated with Him in the heavenlies. See, Israel's hope was earthly, a kingdom on earth. They even, Christ even told them to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, but on earth. Our position is heavenly. That's our calling. Two distinct purposes, two distinct programs. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change, but his dealings with man has changed. And we are the benefactors of that, who were alienated. We have that union with Christ sealed into the day of redemption. And I hope each and every one of you here this morning has the assurance. You have the assurance of that salvation. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are. But now, we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Father, I shudder to think where I would be without that finished work of Christ. Father, if I were trying religiously to satisfy you as the Gentiles were trying with their idol worship, with their false gods, Father, you you made a way. Father, you made the way that we could have life eternal with you. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the church, which is his body. I thank you that when a man is saved, a woman is saved today, they are made part of that glorious body, which they are sealed into the day of redemption. Father, that eternal life is ours because of who we are in the body of Christ. Father, thank you for that salvation. Thank you for that sealing. Thanking you that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. Now, Father, I pray if there be anyone here this morning that does not know you as Savior, that this will be the moment that by faith they will believe that you died for them that you were buried and that you rose again. Father, you paid the debt of sin that they owed and could not pay. Father, by faith, they'll trust. Now, Father, we pray all these things in that name that's above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. Amen.